What would you do if the entire revenue of your organization vanished in the span of 48 hours? That happened to today's guest. Her message for us on this Saturday cast, lead best by being you. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 474. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahovia. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. This is the monthly Saturday cast. About once a month here, I air a Saturday episode that's a chat with one of our Academy members or longtime listeners. Uh, the main episode is still coming this Monday. This is a bonus episode. The Saturday casts are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to create movement in their leadership development and organizational results. You can discover more and get alerted about opportunities to apply for the Academy in the future by visiting coachingforleaders.com academy. Today, I am so glad to welcome one of our current Academy members, Elena Kornoff, to the show. Elena is a founding partner of Surf City Stillworks, a distillery in Huntington Beach, California. She's been a listener of the show for the past few years, and last year was accepted as a member of the Coaching for Leaders Academy. We've been working together ever since, and she's here today to share a little bit of her story and her journey through COVID-19. Elena, glad to have you here. So excited to be here. It's a little surreal hearing you introduce the show and then hear my name, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. And we're both in Orange County, too. That's the great part of it. And we're so. both here. Yeah, we're neighbors. And speaking of which, I have been to your distillery. You were so kind to you extend have. an invitation last year for my friend Jay and I to visit. What an incredible place. Thank you. And when you started, I mean, there's so much for us to talk about of your journey over the last <laughs> nine, 10 months. But maybe we should start by how this started for you of diving into this business of running a distillery. How did this begin? Sure. We previously sold a drone manufacturing company. And although it wasn't something to retire on, we decided this is a nugget that we received and we're going to reinvest that little nugget into something. And even though we didn't have much experience at all in distilling, we decided to, to invest in the craft distillery. We saw an opportunity. There were no distilleries in Huntington Beach and only two others in all of that Orange County at the time. So we saw an opportunity and we were interested in it. So we jumped right in. I know I've told this to you before privately, but I'm just so impressed by what you have built in just a short period of time. And I'm going to put a link in the episode notes. I hope folks will go visit the website and just see the thing that just struck me is you worked with local artists to create the beautiful images and graphics on the bottles, and it's just stunning. And when I when I was there, I was just amazed by how much heart and care you really put in, not only to the business, but also really representing the local communities. It's super cool. We really wanted to do that from the start, feature local artists on our bottles. And I can't remember exactly how that came about, but we're so happy it turned out the way it did. And we realized along the way why people don't do double-sided labels on these bottles. It's because the printing process is actually pretty complex. 
And if, if someone does go on our website and see our bottles, you'll see that the artwork is actually printed on the back label, but on the inside, so that as you're looking through the bottle, you see it and it's magnified and it's colorful and it's beautiful. And it really represents the artwork and the artists well, I think. Yeah, it's just one part of the business that's gone so well. And I think maybe if we go back a couple of months, you know, like any small business owner, you've had your share of challenges and learning and growth along the way. And my sense was as 2020 started, a lot of things were going pretty well and the business was growing. If we go back to January, February 2020, before COVID hit, what were things like? Oh, gosh. We were in the middle of an expansion, and we still are technically, but we had our sights set on being fully operational in our new facility by May. And we're not fully fully functioning because of COVID, but in January, we were expanding from our current 1,300 square foot distillery to 25,000 square feet. Our current craft still produces five gallons an hour, whereas our new still will be able to produce eight gallons a minute. Oh, so wow. we're we're making this huge jump from 1,300 square feet to 25,000. Our production capability is going up. We're getting a bottling line, a canning line. The tasting room will be the size of our existing facility in full. We're going to have a full kitchen. We're going to have a speakeasy. So we're having in January and February, we were looking forward to all of that. We're planning, we're executing, we're going full steam ahead. So <laughs> you can imagine how COVID affected that. But it was, we were expanding in January, February. When all this happened, my heart just dropped for you thinking about your business. Cause of course, restaurants, hospitality have been just so strongly affected by this. Mm -hmm. When the news started to hit about COVID, what was the point where this became something that wasn't just something you were hearing in the news, but you started to have the feeling like, oh, wow, this might really affect our business and our livelihood. I know exactly when it was. Actually, the, the exact date, I couldn't tell you right now, but it was a Sunday because that was when all of the California restaurants and tasting rooms were ordered to shut down. And it's interesting how everything changed over a weekend. On that previous Friday, we talked to a new director of sales of ours. We offered the job to, he was putting in his notice that previous Friday and he called us because he was a little bit nervous about COVID and we told him, go ahead, put your notice in. We're still moving forward. No problem. And we were sincere. We didn't think COVID could stop us. <laughs> so then the, the weekend happened. Everything became real, real quick in California. And then that following Tuesday, I had to lay off my tasting room staff and we had to pause construction. We had to decide what to do about our new director of sales. And what we decided to do is give him a month at his full salary and let him know like, in a month from now, if things are better, that's great. If not, we've got bigger problems. <laughs> so we wanted to honor our offer to him at least for the first 30 days and see how COVID shook out for us. And that's all we were able to do at the time. You mentioned you laid off your staff. What was that time like? Horrible. My full-time employee just bought a house literally a month before I laid her off. And I knew that. And it was the worst feeling to lay someone off and know that they have a house to pay for. And through all of it, it's amazing. She's been so supportive still. And she's still looking to come back when our new tasting room is open. And we can't wait to have her back. But it was really, really difficult. 
I remember you and I talking somewhere in that week or two time frame when all this was happening. I remember that weekend well, by the way. What was the financial situation looking like for you going forward over those few months? Like, like what were you thinking you would do as, as, as the kind of the, the reality sank in with all this? It was looking pretty dire. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We had to freeze construction, lay off the employees. We had to just stop paying bills. We had to just stop everything so that we could think. It was pretty darn scary. And there were a couple weeks where we didn't know what would happen. And <laughs> what ended up happening is we had a, a day of conversations with our investors. And we are just so fortunate to have a great group of people around us where there were some investors that weren't as affected by COVID as others were. And they came through with extra funds. And they were able to help us continue forward. So it was looking pretty, pretty dire at first, but we were helped out for sure. And even still with the funding, there wasn't really a clear path forward. And in fact, as we're recording this at the end of May, there still isn't certainty on like how this is all going to play out going forward. Right, right. At some point, hand sanitizer came on your radar screen. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that was something we laughed off at first. Well, my husband, Josh, who's also my partner, he's the one that brought it up. So he, he didn't laugh it off. But the rest of the team, we kind of just, we brushed it off as if that's just silly, right? And then there was one day that we received probably 15 inquiries from hospitals and first responders and people really in need of hand sanitizer. And that's when we started really looking at it seriously. And it's interesting that that one day, all those emails came in, we made a decision almost immediately to just put our heads down and say, yep, this is what we're doing. And we started researching the WHO and FDA recipes on how to make hand sanitizer, sourcing the ingredients that go into hand sanitizer, how to package and sell it. And I think that we ended up selling our first five-gallon buckets probably a week later wow. after we decided to start producing. Yeah. And for those who like me who are not chemistry majors, the of course, alcohol is one of the key components of hand sanitizer and right. it's been effective yeah. around disinfecting. Yep. But it's like a totally... <laughs> Talk about a totally different business, right? I mean, what you were doing versus doing sanitizer and then having to change so quickly because you started thinking about like, okay, what would it look like if we did this and actually produce sanitizer? What was that transition like? We were actually very well positioned to make the transition because it's not that different. Like you said, it's ethyl alcohol that is the main ingredient in hand sanitizer, or at least the recipe we're using along with hydrogen peroxide and glycerin. So we have all of the equipment to be able to blend, to weigh and to mix and to proof all the ingredients together and the know-how from distilling. We had all of the technical expertise to make it happen and it was just a matter of getting the right ingredients at the right bulk sizes. I mean, the, the amount of inquiries we received and the volume we had to produce, we had to buy a lot of ingredients and including ethyl alcohol, even though we can produce the ethyl alcohol ourselves. Like I said, we're in transition right now. We have a small still that can only produce five gallons an hour and we need thousands a day. So what we were able to do through our investor network and actually funny enough, our church context is through our church, we had, we found somebody who sells hydrogen peroxide 
and glycerin. And then through our investor network, we found a source for literally we bought ethyl alcohol in tanker loads. So we, through our network, we were able to source these ingredients. And honestly, if we weren't able to source one of them, you know, we'd be dead in the water. You need all three and you need a lot of it. It just speaks to the power of relationships at a, at a time, any time, but absolutely. especially a time like this, right? I mean, how much you reached out oh, to your personal yeah. professional network. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you make this really quick change, like over, over a week, basically, and yeah. start producing hand sanitizer and you've got truckloads of materials coming in. What happened next? Like, what did this look like as far as responding to inquiries and success in doing this? Like, how did that emerge? Oh my gosh. Well. So the director of sales we hired to sell our typical, our regular line of spirits and canned cocktails jumped right in to selling hand sanitizer for us. We were so thankful we had him because I think there was one week where he said he responded to 600 emails and Josh and I would just be absolutely buried and overwhelmed and would never be able to respond to those emails if it wasn't for him. So thankfully we kept him on board. He was a team player. He didn't care what he was selling. He was just going to help us succeed no matter what it took. So we had Ben helping us with that. We also had through his network, he brought in a few guys to help us with the production. So we had to make hundreds of buckets of hand sanitizer and we did five gallon buckets only. And then we also got inquiries to to sell 270 gallon totes, like plastic containers of hand sanitizer as well. So we have end user customers, construction companies, first responders, hospitals, just local residents buying the five gallon buckets. And then we have companies that are actually bottling into their own containers with their own labels, selling to customers like Walmart and retailers that that need hand sanitizer. So it was all hands on deck. It was a team effort. It was chaos. It still is chaos, but it's amazing how much we've done in the past couple months with what we have. It's just mind-boggling. How did it go with sales when you look at what was happening with the business January, February to what's happening today, now having changed the entire business basically over to hand sanitizer? That's another thing that's (laughs) mind-boggling. In the first month, we outsold all of 2019 combined. Wow. Yeah. And we can't take credit for that. Really, I mean, we worked our butts off, but without doors being open, it opened, we wouldn't be where we are. And we believe that, you know, this was just a trial that we were put through and things were looking pretty dire. And during that time, both of us really believed that no matter what happened, it was going to work out for our good, for God's glory, and whatever reason. I mean, we're thankful it didn't fall apart, but it was cool to know that in that moment, even if it did, we'd be okay. But yeah, we outsold 2019 <laughs> in a month. That's what ended up happening. It's, <sighs> it's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. story. And yeah. you know, I think about what Simon Sinek teaches about having a just cause and a bigger reason for doing things mm-hmm. and a why. And you started this business with a focus on really investing in the community. And yeah. You're still doing that. It's an entirely different product. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. I mean, if you and I had been talking about this in January, you'd be like, what on earth? And yet here you are halfway through the year and you have an entirely different product, but the cause is the same. Yeah. 
the work you're doing to invest in people, the community, first responders now, hospitals, it speaks to the power of having a clear vision of what you're doing and then tactically needing to adjust as things happen. One of the other things you have told me in the past is that you've had some failures in the past and failing has taught you how to pivot quickly. Tell me a a bit more about that. I think that failing puts more tools in your belt. It really does. I think that without our experience in the past, we would not have pivoted as quickly. I mean, to think about the fact that we were selling hand sanitizer a week after we decided to start producing it or even selling it, it just goes to show that you just, you learn skills along the way, whether you succeed or not in a business or a venture, you're learning skills and you're going to use those in the future. (laughs) It's just so true that you learn when you fail. And there's the successful people have failed a hundred times, right? It's I used to think that that was such a cliche that people said that like, almost like they were lying, but it's true. You do learn as you fail. And, and people who are successful have failed so many times. And what I believe is success is hard work and opportunity aligning itself. I've heard that before. And it just, that to me is, is so true. You've shared with me some of your thinking in our academy sessions and shared obviously with our whole group on just your journey as this has all been happening. And one of the things that you've told me before is that you thought successful leaders were the ones who were inspiring and charismatic. And I think you've mentioned you've changed your mind on that. Quite a bit. So I joined the academy, what, six months ago? Yeah. And I joined because I knew we would be growing in 2020. And I just didn't feel capable to lead a large team well. And when I got accepted, I was extremely excited and nervous at the same time. But we we took an assessment when we started and through reading the results of that assessment and talking it over with the our cohort over the last six months, I realized that I don't have to learn how to be that quintessential, dynamic, pioneering and charismatic leader like someone like Vanessa in our cohort is. Like she's she's that person that people follow because she's energetic, she's dynamic, she's gonna she's gonna tell you the vision and you're gonna follow her. <laughs> yeah, um, she is. And what I realized is like through you did a, a comparison of assessments with the people in our cohort, and Vanessa and I are complete opposite people, and our strengths are completely opposite. And I realized that that's okay. I can be myself and still lead well. And when I realized that a giant burden I felt that was holding me down was just lifted. It was like, oh, that's cool. I could be myself and I could still be a good leader. Well, let's do that. (laughs) Now that you've had that realization, what's different about how you show up today with your team and leading this business than how you showed up six months ago? I think that even with myself, I'm not a naturally confident person, but it's given me more confidence in my position. I am naturally to my core, a supporter. I am comfortable supporting somebody else. And before I thought that was only something that was useful on the back end, like helping Josh, for example, he's the one planning out this whole distillery and expansion. And I kind of describe him as this tornado that I'm picking up after. (laughs) And I keep everything organized and so on. But I used to think that that was what a supporter is used for. And now I realize that I could be a supportive leader and come alongside my team 
And what that looks like is I follow through for them. I have diligence for them, which means that I'm always looking out for what's best for them, putting systems and structures in place that work, that are the most practical. And I think that I'm fair-minded, meaning I, I like I can see both sides of most issues and most conflicts that may arise. And that just I can see all these as benefits as being a supportive leader versus seeing as someone as a supporter as someone who's only only belongs on the back end, somebody that's not seen. The research really supports what you've said too, when you look at the different personality preferences of introversion versus extroversion, of moving quickly versus moving slowly on things, task versus people. Most of the studies show that you can lead just as effectively from any of those places. You can also lead poorly (laughs) from any of those preferences Mm -hmm. too, of course, and many of us have seen examples of that. But you can be as strong a leader, and in some cases, some of the research is really amazing, like in if you're a more supportive, maybe quieter kind of a leader, in some cases, you can actually do better the research shows than folks who may be more dynamic, more extroverted. And it's really, it's given me a lot of hope over the years of just, you really can lead everywhere. And I think something you said there is really key of, you can be a leader by being yourself and leaning in on your, yeah. your strengths first and also knowing what you, what you don't do well that you can reach out to others to do. Oh, I have totally learned how to delegate to other people. And that's what's so refreshing as well. Just because I am the owner of a company does not mean I have to do everything. So we, our partner, Chris, is that person. He's like Vanessa. He's dynamic. He's energetic. He, You're going to follow that guy, right? When he speaks, people listen. And there are certain things that Josh and I are not strong or comfortable in, and we've been able to delegate to him and he's taken it. And it's just, it's really showing how a well-rounded team works and how you need that diversity in a team in order to to really work well and lead well. You've really been intentional about doing that. And so many leaders, especially those running small businesses, tend to hire people that are very similar to them, have similar skill sets, similar temperament, and they don't yeah. get that that diversity that, as, as you've demonstrated in the last few months, like how valuable it's been. You've like someone who's able to jump in and respond to sales inquiries and yeah. and you're doing the part you're doing and Josh is doing the part he's doing. It's really, I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful tapestry of strengths that have come together. And as a result, like, look what you did in just a couple of weeks. Incredible. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. So I hope folks will go visit the website. We're going to put a link in the episode notes. And of course, in this week's weekly leadership guide, and there may be folks listening, both who would be interested in checking out what you're doing with spirit sales and I know there's some regulations around that, that folks who are inside versus outside California would do diff- something different. And also, of course, there's many organizations that right now are looking for different options for sourcing, hand sanitizer. For those who may be interested in either of those directions, uh, what's a good way for people to reach out? Sure. Everyone in California can order online. They can go to surfcitystillworks.com and order either our spirits canned cocktails, merchandise, and or hand sanitizer. And those outside of California, because of the limitations of our website, we can't ship or process any shipments outside of California. So if you would like some hand sanitizer to be shipped to you, just email us at tastingroom at surfcitystillworks.com and we'll provide more details. Unfortunately, we can't ship any alcohol outside of California because of those individual laws that are state by state. 
And also, if you're local, we we are still moving forward with our tasting room and speakeasy. So our projected opening as of today is probably fall of 2020. All right. So we're going to put links to all of the website, the email address, all of that in this week's weekly leadership guide, also in the episode notes. Elena, before I let you go, I am really conscious that there are those listening whose and the story is not as good. And I know this story is evolving as we go, right? As we mentioned, you know, things are changing even even now. For those who do find themselves as business leaders, as entrepreneurs, leading a team, and their business has been very impacted by COVID. When you think back over the last few months for you, if you were going to give the advice of one step, one place to start, what would you suggest for folks? That's a really good question. I think that those with their network, people around them, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to ask for help. In fact, you should be asking for help. Don't be too prideful. People around you are willing to help and they can help. And everybody's got their network and just reach out to them and put your pride away and ask for help. Elena Kornoff, founding partner of Surf City Stillworks. Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you so much for having me. If you found this conversation with Elena inspiring, I would encourage you to lean in on some of our past Saturday cast conversations. One of them I'd recommend to you is episode 351, The Value of Pivoting for Growth. My guest on that episode was one of our Academy alums, Beth Garrison. Beth shared her story of being the CEO of an organization and ultimately deciding to pivot to begin her own business. It's a wonderful story of pivoting, obviously a different way from this conversation. And yet, so many of us as leaders do need to pivot. Sometimes it's the situation that changes around us. Sometimes it's ourselves. Oftentimes, it's a combination of both. Episode 351 is a wonderful story uh, from Beth on how to go down that journey. I'd also recommend episode 414, Permission to Be Yourself with Barr Schwartz. Uh, In that conversation, Barr, one of our other alums of the Academy, talked about her experience of leaning into her strengths, how she began the practice of writing during her time in the Academy, how she eventually turned it into a book, uh, has since been contacted by a publisher, is doing some wonderful and exciting things in her career, and did it by leaning in on her own strengths. Uh, Episode 414, again, that is permission to be yourself. I'd also recommend a recent conversation, episode 463, Leadership Through Massive Change with Liz Lilla. In that conversation, Liz talked through the recent situation with COVID and how she and her business has responded to running a gymnastics organization. And now, you know, in the midst of this pandemic and the quarantine of not having kids be able to come to their gyms, how they've responded and moved work online, just a fascinating story of flexibility and resilience and leadership and change. If you're looking for another story on how to respond in a way that I think will inspire a lot of us to be able to search for the next step, the next action, episode 463 with Liz Lilla, I'd recommend that as well. And then of course, last episode, 473, Embracing a Just Cause with Simon Sinek. If we know what the just cause is, when change comes, which it always does, it's a pandemic today. It was an economic challenge 10 years ago. It was terrorist attacks 20 years ago. It will be something else in the years ahead, in addition to all the current challenges we're facing. Then, And of course, there's so many things at a micro level 
that are affecting all of us in every organization. Yes, context changes, but a just cause stays consistent over time. Episode 473, the invitation there to lean in on your just cause. All of those episodes you can find on the Coaching for Leaders website. There is a file on the website if you have your free membership set up for Saturday Cast. You can check out all of the past Saturday Casts we've had with listeners, Academy members, Academy alumni over the years uh, that will help you to continue to hear the stories of those like you who are utilizing what you've learned here on the podcast and applying it each day. And I'd encourage you to set up your free membership to get access to all of that at coachingforleaders.com. Once your free membership is active, you will be able to connect with all of the past episodes searchable by topic. And in addition, while you're online, if you are interested in discovering more about the Coaching for Leaders Academy and potentially applying the next time we have applications open, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy. That will give you the opportunity to add your name to the invitation list for the next time that we open up applications for membership. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash academy. The Monday episode is coming up in just 48 hours. Stacy Barr is my guest on the next episode on how to hold people accountable and what to hold them accountable for. It's going to be a great follow-up from our recent conversation with Jonathan Raymond on accountability. See you on Monday. Have a fabulous weekend. And thanks again, Elena. Take care.